0: What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial service experience. They're also diehard Broncos fans and CSU alums, so you know that they are good people. If you're wondering if the rates are as good as you're hearing, you gotta call them. They're just, they're flat out incredible and they can save you hundreds of dollars a month potentially even thousands of dollars in interest over the lifetime of your loan. I mean, who doesn't want to save thousands of dollars? These guys can help you find out if you're able to reduce, maybe even eliminate your current mortgage insurance premiums. But hey, since refinancing isn't right for everybody, Mike in Virginia will run a quick analysis and honestly let you know whether refinancing might be right for you. Visit them at DNVR Mortgage and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choosing. Most importantly, though, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006.
1: Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell.
0: You know, going back, this has been a while, obviously, but you rushed for almost 3000 yards your senior year of high school. What was that like? Because I just I have an admiration for that, you know, like smaller town high school football feel.
1: Dude, that was—I mean—it was such a cool. That was a cool year. That was a cool four years. I mean, I knew. I remember, you know, in junior high, you know, having conversations with my father. You know, hey, do you think I could play varsity my freshman year? Um, and you know, I ended up starting the very first game my freshman year, and then you know, a, a few games in, you know, I, I knew because the one thing I wanted to accomplish in high school is I wanted to beat the uh, the school uh season rushing record which was held by my father and you know that was kind of like the number one goal i had and i ended up breaking up my freshman year wow <laughs> so once i uh you know i, I checked that box um you know and then i just kind of went from there and and by the time i got into my junior year uh, you know about halfway through that uh you know it kind of became a very real possibility that maybe I could break the uh the state career rushing record so I kind of uh turned my sights on that and so you know I, I I really had a lot of high expectations for myself going into that last year we had a really good team um so I had a lot of you know a lot of really good guys a few guys who went on and played uh division two football on that team so um so it was you know it wasn't just me it was a uh, it was definitely a team effort uh for that season but but yeah it was it was a lot of fun. The The one thing I look back on as far as high school is I, I finished my career with 99 touchdowns. I, oh, no. I couldn't get that. I couldn't get that one more, although I recall I had a few called back, but um, that was, that was just a, that was an awesome experience, special, and, um, you know, I go back, you know, time to and time and, and watch some old VHS tapes of those games, although you can't really, you know, the clarity isn't all that great, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's cool. My son's getting older, maybe down the road to kind of uh, be able to show him that and, you know, just kind of look back and, and how special it was.
0: I, I like that you brought up the, the, the VHS tapes and, and how that's all kind of changed. Because obviously, you know, recruiting now, it's all about the glitz and the glamour and you post yeah. your top 45 offers or whatever, the whole thing becomes kind of ridiculous. What was that recruiting process like for you, you know, in like 2003,
1: 2004? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you know, composing a highlight tape was a lot more uh a lot more tedious of a job you had to go you know, you had to uh you know put put the one vcr you know maybe on certain plays and record on the other one if you wanted to do just a highlight tape um so that was uh, a little bit more labor intensive than it is now you know everything being digital um but you know it, it, that was a lot of fun too you know i wasn't uh you know i wasn't one of those guys that had 30 40 50 division one offers i mean the actual the the Division One offers that came through were, you know, from Wyoming and from CSU. Um, you know, had essentially uh, an offer to play at Air Force, and then a lot of other smaller schools. And then too, I was weighing the idea of did I want to play football or did I want to play baseball? Because um, baseball was baseball was my passion in, in high school. That's really up until about you know my my senior year, and I was pretty pretty convinced that I wanted to go the baseball route. Um, but when when push came to shove, you know, maybe having to go a route of playing at a smaller school for baseball, or you know, playing Division One football um, on a full scholarship, you know, that really kind of pushed me over the edge as far as making my decision for football. Uh, but it was but it was fun. It was you know, getting letters and and reading handwritten notes from a lot of coaches around the country. You know, spending time on the phone, uh, talking with a lot of coaches and. And, you know, it was just, it was kind of one of those things that, you know, it, it was um, a very humbling experience. And, you know, I, I couldn't imagine being one of those guys that has, you know, essentially any college that <laughs> is choosing uh, to pick from. But, you know, I, I just, you know, enjoyed it. Um, one thing that was always told me by everybody that was kind of helping me out was just be yourself, enjoy it. Um, and, you know, when the time comes, you'll, you'll know which direction you need to go with it.
0: You know, how did Sonny Lubick sell the program to you? Obviously, you know, that's kind of coming off of the glory days of CSU, their late nineties, early two thousands. I'm sure, you know, it's, it wasn't exactly the toughest sell in the world, but you know, what, what made you want to play for Sonny Lubick?
1: Well, again, it was, it was just kind of one of those things where it, it was really just what my gut was telling me, you know, I, uh, I really wasn't exposed to a whole lot, um, you know, of watching CSU as a program, probably until I was about 14, 15. In fact, Really, the the first time I really even watched them was when my dad took me to uh, the Rocky Mountain Showdown that game uh, at Mile High in 1999. You know, the tear gas game. Oh man, yeah. Where 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 CSU destroyed CU uh, because up until that point, I was you know as far as maybe fandom, I always kind of went more towards the Buff. You know, growing up watching Cordell Stewart, Rashawn Salam, um, and those guys in the early to mid 90s you know from a from a college standpoint i guess you could say i was more of a a Buff fan um and then when i got that exposure in 99 you know kind of uh, obviously becoming more aware hey there's another really good program here in colorado as well um and then again getting into high school you know that was the one thing i was kind of waiting just to, to see what CU was going to do from a scholarship offer standpoint um they they did it off of me i know they got a couple early commits in the running back uh in that class so i knew it was probably a long shot and then I asked uh, Brian Cabral, you know, I flat out asked him on the phone. I said, hey, am I going to be able to maybe expect an offer from you guys? Um, and he just flat out said, no, you know, we don't uh, think you have the ability to play, you know, to be a physical running back in the Big 12 based on the small high school that you play at. And so we just don't know. We're not in a position to offer you this scholarship. If you want to walk on, you're more than welcome to. Um, but then, you know, uh, Wyoming was the first to offer me. They offered me right out of right after my junior year. And then... Uh, Coach Lubick offered me, I think it was right before uh, one of the games I went to Port Collins to watch. I think it was a game against Utah. Um, And so I knew it was probably going to come down to those two. You know, Joe Glenn really made it hard to say no to to Wyoming. Uh, Came in on an official visit to my home, played ragtime Cowboy Joe on our piano right there in our living room. Um, He really kind of, you know, pushed uh, to try to get me to go there. But uh, after I met with Coach Lubick and uh, Coach John Benton there at the house, they came and, and met with me and my family you know, it was just one of those things again. I just kind of after that meeting and really kind of getting to know Coach Lubick and just you know anybody who's ever been around him understands and knows just how genuine of a human being he is, um the quality of the program that he built, and just the way that he cares about you know the the guys that uh, they bring in. um it, it just you know again kind of those things where it just it, it connected and it, and it it made sense. And I went with that gut and, um, you know, I I don't have a single regret about it. It worked out exactly as it should have.
0: I definitely have more questions about Sonny and just some of those years while you were there, but it's, it's kind of funny. There's maybe an alternate reality where, where Kyle Bell was the starting running back for Wyoming or or Colorado (laughs) and then torching CSU. And then you would have been one of my most hated players growing (laughs) up instead of a guy that I'm excited to have on here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it could have been, you know, again, I think at that time, you know, Coach Glenn uh, just um, finished up his first year with Wyoming, and it really kind of felt like he was maybe kind of turning the program around a little bit. Obviously, you know, uh, I I actually, I I met Coach Glenn, I think back when I was in like sixth grade, kind of in the heyday of of the UNC days, and uh, um, he actually came to our elementary school and and hung out with us and kind of gave a talk to our school. So you know, so there was, uh, you know, a lot of. I think there was a lot of respect there for him, um, and kind of what he was doing at that time. Now it didn't really kind of work out that way, um, but you know, it, it it could have been a possibility. I mean, I, it really kind of came down to the wire, and it was something that I, uh, you know, that I gave a lot of con- uh, consideration to, But you know, again, kind of with Coach Lubick and then just you know, again, being in Fort Collins versus being in Laramie, um, I just felt it was a lot better fit for, for me to be in Fort Collins.
0: You know, I'll be honest with you, I actually. I grew up kind of rooting for CSU and CU just because my dad went to CSU, his sister went to CU, so it was one of those, like, every game but one, we rooted for CU, especially in the Big 12, it was fun, you know, during those heydays, just, you know, kind of off topic real quick, but do you think CU regrets going to the Pac-12 at all? Because I definitely miss watching the old Big 12 rivalries, I just, it's not appealing to me, CU, USC, CU, Arizona, I don't see it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's got a, you know, significantly different feel to it. I mean, obviously when you kind of have, have one way of watching a program and kind of your memories and everything that you're connected to with a, with a team or with a program, when it goes back to, uh, you know, playing Nebraska, playing Oklahoma, playing Texas, you know, that's kind of what, that's kind of the way it should feel. And, you know, as far as if they have any regrets, I don't know. Um, you know, there, that could be a possibility, but. Uh, but I, I'm kind of the same mindset, you know. When 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 we weren't playing CU, and even now, when CSU's not playing CU, you know, I still I still kind of root for them in the sense that I think it's better for you know Colorado. It's better for everyone along the front range when you've got you know CSU, CU, Air Force, even Wyoming. When everybody's doing well, you know, when everybody has quality quality programs, competitive, good programs that are you know, consistently in bowl games, that's better for everybody and it just makes it more fun and it makes it more fun when you're playing those teams. You know, it makes those rivalry games that much more special and there's maybe more at stake. Um, or, you know, when it's certainly, you know, more competitive uh and and the quality's a lot better.
0: Totally. I mean I think everybody could agree that the game would be more exciting if it's the difference between going nine and three or ten and two versus, you know, three and nine or or four and eight. And that's kind of where it's been over the last decade, which is unfortunate, but it, it is what it is. You know, yeah. speaking of CU though, you, you played in some of the weirdest Rocky Mountain showdowns of my lifetime. I mean, starting with 2004 and, and just how that game ended at the goal line. I mean, what's, what's going through your mind in that situation?
1: Well, you know, I, I didn't play in that game. Um, you know, the plan for me that year was to redshirt. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I was able to dress for that game um, and I was, a, I was on the sidelines and you know, I was in uniform. And, you know, I just kind of remember, you know, leading up to that last play, you know, or that, that last drive as we were getting close to the end zone, like, wow, we really have a chance to to win this game, you know, and, and you know, kind of the, the after, uh, you know, what would happen after as far as going back and, and watching, you know, watching that play and and just, you know, right there on the goal line, you know, you kind of had the, the play that was going one way and the, the, the lineman assignments were in a different way. So there's a little bit of confusion there on that play. Um, You know, you kind of had the offensive line going one way, uh, the quarterback and the running back going the other. So a little bit of confusion in that moment. So, you know, that that was one that, uh, you know, we definitely should have had. And then, you know, 05, it came down to, uh, you know, that was a game I played in, uh, in Boulder again for the second year, you know, came down to a a Mason Crosby field goal. And then uh, obviously I got injured in 06 and then 07, you know, losing in overtime so it was, you know, it was a, it was a few games there that were just obviously right to the very end, uh, almost kind of heartbreak games. But you know, but it, again, that's you know that's why you play them. And you know, all three games that we can say we should have won, but we didn't.
0: <laughs> does like o four o five sting more, or does it does o six sting more? Because that's the one they won, but you didn't get to play in it, and you got hurt right before the opener. Well, o six is when
1: we won, um, so that was that, that was. uh during my time there, my five years, the, the one game that we beat, I think it was yeah. 14 to seven, low scoring games. So you know, I it, you know, I obviously it sucks that I wasn't able to play in it, but just uh you know again be be a part of that that team, you know, that that won that game. Uh, but I think as far as you know as far as games that uh, probably stung the most, I think probably probably the 07 game. That was my first game back uh you know from from red with that ACL. I had 40 carries. Um, you know, my first game back, I just remember waking up the next day and not even, I had to crawl out of bed between the <laughs> my knee. I just remember my back was killing me, you know, after 40 carries. Um, I mean, games where you get, you know, 25 carries are you're sore enough after, but after a 40 carry game, after a year <clears throat> of not playing, that was especially brutal. <laughs>
0: Is is the showdown the game that you got most excited for? Usually, given that you know you grew up being a Colorado guy, you know admiring CU, or was it you know more the the border war? I've seen you mention Utah a couple of times. That was obviously when they were really really dominant. It was just kind of a fun time to follow the Mountain West in general back then.
1: Yeah, I, I think as far as you know games that if we had to, if I had to pick game that I wanted to win more than any of the others, it was probably the border war game, um, just because they were, you know, obviously they were a a conference game. So I I think that kind of puts it at that level where you just kind of want to win that one a little bit more. Um, And then too, you know, we kind of understand the way, uh, you know, Wyoming, those guys always kind of looked at us, you know, they, uh, you know, some of those guys always kind of had that chip on their shoulder that, you know, CSU, you know, passed them by or, um, you know, maybe didn't give them the offer. And so that there was always kind of that that uh, aspect of it too. So I think as far as, you know, maybe just outright importance, um, you know, maybe that Wyoming game, but certainly, you know, you can't discredit what that game meant to us too, you know, because of the, you know, the close uh, rivalry there, being in state, usually first game of the year, you know, playing uh, at mile high. Although, you know, I actually, I I really liked playing those games in Boulder. It just felt more like an actual college game playing at Fox Folsom Field as opposed to, you know, playing at mile high, you know, where there's, oh, maybe 10, 15,000 empty seats at that time. Um, then you know, maybe the chip on my shoulder I had, uh, you know, playing against CU because they, you know, they kind of, uh, passed me over. Uh, so I kind of carried that chip on my shoulder as well, but, but I think overall, probably the Wyoming game was probably the one that, uh, that you really just wanted to have.
0: Well, speaking of Wyoming, you know, that 2005 season, you guys beat Air Force, you know, you beat Utah, you beat Wyoming, you got all these big moments. Which one of those kind of stands out the most to you in hindsight?
1: Oh man, that was, you know, that was a special year. Yeah, we had some big wins. I mean, those were, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, Air Force, uh, when we look at Utah, uh, Wyoming, you know, those were all wins at home. You know, those were, uh, those were all wins at home in front of our home crowd. Obviously, the Air Force game really stands out to me uh, just because that was my best game. Um, you know, I got my very first start the week before that at home against Nevada, you know, had a 180 some yards and a touchdown, and then we turned around and played on a Thursday. So, you know, literally, you know, five days later, uh, back at it on ESPN, you know, Thursday night. Um, and then, you know, having my, my best career game, 190 some yards and three touchdowns. Um, and the you know, that quick story about that. I just, I, I always remember that, you know, that was a game again, we're on ESPN Thursday night. Um, this was, you know, we had Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet up in the booth. This was kind of before, you know, they became the, the prime crew for, for college yeah, game. I pack. remember. So they were there. Uh, Aaron Andrews was down on the sideline reporting. So kind of, you know, what you think as the, the, the prime time college crew now, you know, they were they were doing that game. And, and again, I just, you know, obviously I had a, had a huge game. Um, and I just remember, you know, I was, I was getting ready to go to the locker room after the game and uh, I think it was Gary Ozello or one of our other um, sports information people uh, kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, ESPN wants to talk to you. I said, awesome. And uh, so I just I kind of went over towards the sideline, and here comes Erin Andrews. And, you know, I've never, you know, i never seen her before, and this was 05, so I think she was still kind of relatively new. I've never seen her before, and obviously she's, a, you know, she's a very attractive woman, right? Yeah. So that kind of, you know, that kind of caught my attention a little bit, but I'll tell you what, the the thing that stood out to me the most um, in that moment was, was whatever perfume she was wearing, just how good she smelled. And, uh, um, and again, just, you know, coming off that game, big win, you know, uh, a big game. And in that moment, all I can think about was how good she smelled. And I kind of makes me think of, uh, I, you know, in the early two thousands when uh, Joe Namath uh, was interviewed by Susie Colbert on the sideline. Oh Obviously, yeah, uh, Intoxicated Joe Namath or, he blurts out to Susie you know I want to kiss you right so not that I was going to go that direction with it but in that moment just getting interviewed by her the the one thing I just wanted to say it was like damn you smell good (laughs) so you know maybe I missed a chance to go viral um, although you know maybe before viral was a thing so that was that was probably you know outside of the you know obviously the game was a huge story but that uh that was something that you know I just I can't forget that and then uh you know and then the the Utah game too um of a back and forth uh, game with them when they were really starting to kind of become a powerhouse in the conference. Um, you know, I, I think I had 30 yards in the first half, and I just remember at halftime, you know, really didn't feel like we were doing anything on offense, and we just kind of committed, hey, we're just going to keep going after him with the run. And then I had, you know, 100 and some yards there in the second half, obviously that long run that gave us the lead. And then, of course, that goal line stand um, that the defense had. And, uh, you know, I just remember stopping them on fourth down, and I don't recall ever a point where I heard Hughes Stadium as loud as it was in that moment. So, um, so yeah, those were, gosh, those were a lot of fun games, man. It was a fun year, um, and those were all really big wins.
0: Hughes, you know, I think the decision to make the on-campus stadium was right when they did it. But there's, there was just something about that atmosphere at Hughes when it was sold out and rocking that I don't think they've quite replicated at the new stadium yet.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's a different game day experience. I mean, I you know, it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal facility, right? I mean, you look at it, uh it's gorgeous. It's uh you know, it's got all the amenities for, you know, for fans, for alumni. Um being on campus is special, I think because it's one of those things you can kind of go, you know, make a day of it being on campus with your family. and um, we kind of have that unique experience uh, with it. Um, but again, when you look at when you look at maybe the fan experience, maybe the, the pregame uh, atmosphere and environment, everyone's kind of spread out. Um, you know, at Hughes, everyone was there on the dirt field. Everyone was there together. You know, just kind of had that special, uh, that special feeling to it. Um, and so, but you know, I, I think in the long run, I think there's uh, tremendous value in being able to just have it on campus. You know, hopefully, long term, they can have a little bit more student engagement uh, with it. And I, I just think, you know, again. Um, they were either going to have to start pouring a lot of money into Hughes to kind of um, bring it more up to date, um, you know, from from that standpoint or obviously build a new one. So I think, you know, I, I feel they made the right decision in doing that. Yeah. Now was just a matter of, you know, kind of getting the program back up to where, you know, you have more excitement and more people want to go so you can ultimately, you know, fill that stadium. Up.
0: I do, I, I want to ask you more questions about your career, but just since we're on this topic real quick, what do you feel like has been missing from csu football because on paper you have the facilities you know you have the improved equipment and uniforms you know you shouldn't have any recruiting hurdles the campus has grown exponentially over the last decade but csu football has just kind of remained you know stagnant just kind of it's not like they've been an awful program but they haven't been able to take that next step just as somebody that's you know watched it as a fan what's been missing (laughs) All right, back to that interview in just a second. But first, I got to tell you, I'm dreaming of a black Christmas sale. Just like the ones I used to know. I'm telling you guys, the holidays are here. Get used to more singing. Uh, Do you need good ideas for Christmas, holiday, whatever holiday you celebrate? Maybe you just want to treat yourself. Well, we're excited to announce our Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales get up to 80% off the entire store. Yes, up to 80% off. You spend $75 pre-tax. We'll also hook you up with a $15 gift card that you can apply starting uh, December 1st to the DNVR Locker. Last but not least, when you sign up for an annual membership valued at $59.99, you get a $60 gift card to the DNVR Locker. This gift card will be applied starting Tuesday, December 1st as well. You can use that on any purchase. You know, unfortunately, due to COVID restrictions, we've once again had to shut down the DNVR bar. Uh, We are offering some kick-ass takeout specials over the weekends, like two pounds of wings and drinks and all kinds of shit for 20 bucks. It's awesome. You know, it sucks that we're on lockdown, but this is just a great way for you to support one of your favorite local companies. Head over to the DNVR locker now, check out all of our sales, make sure that you don't miss up on this. Remember, you can get up to 80% off the entire store. Talk about savings. The other thing that I've got to talk to you about, of course, is it's the season of giving. And to celebrate the most joyous time of year, DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all players the opportunity to cash in on a no-brainer this Thanksgiving. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to double your money. All you got to do, place your bet. And if either Baltimore or Pittsburgh scores a touchdown in Thursday night's primetime game, you double your money up to $25 on that bet. You heard that right. All you got to do is opt into the promotion, place your bet, sit back. As soon as one of those teams scores, you win. Not either or. As long, you know, it's, it's not, oh, I need, you got to pick Baltimore, you got to pick Pittsburgh. If either team scores, you win. That is money. That's easy. Easy as pie. Thanksgiving pie. On top of that great offer, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering all new players a deposit bonus of up to $1 thousand dollars. The holiday season is a time for family. Curl up on the couch with your favorite sportsbook app. Take in all of this awesome sports with your loved ones. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you the chance to double your money if either Pittsburgh or Baltimore scores a touchdown in Thursday night's game. That's right. All takes one touchdown. You double your money. Use that promo code DNVR during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call
1: 1-800-522-4700. Yeah, no, that's a good question, man. I mean, I, you know, I think about that a lot, you know, and obviously, you know, it, if I had the exact answer to put my finger on, you know, it, it would be one thing that you can, you know, communicate that to people and say, hey, this is what you need to do. And I think there's a lot of people that are, uh, you know, kind of searching for that. You know, obviously, um, you know, with, uh, after Coach Fairchild left, you know, you had uh, McIlwain come in, kind of, it kind of felt like, you know, the, the, the quality of the program was getting back in the right direction, maybe yeah. kind of more of a, of a winning tradition, you know, with what he did, kind of in that short period of time, as far as uh, from the recruiting standpoint, bringing in a lot of really good athletes and and really putting a, a competitive team out on the field every week, um, you know, a couple of big bowl wins and you know a couple of, you know eight nine win seasons there. So I felt like you were starting to get that shift, and then obviously he left, um, and then when Coach Bobo came in, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, you know interaction at all with Coach Bobo, and maybe the program as a whole. Uh, during that period of time, but, but at least just kind of my, you know, the the general sense that I got in in the interaction I did have, it just, it didn't really feel like there was a commitment to, you know, any sort of uh, tradition of CSU, any sort of um, roots in, you know, kind of what Coach Lubick built um, in, in what, you know, what Coach McElwain was kind of building at that time, and, you know, I I just, I remember, um, you know, I remember that a uh, game against Wyoming, I think it was 2016, and Wyoming was just kind of, you know, mopping the floor uh, with us in that first half, and it just didn't really feel like there was any fire there. It didn't really feel like uh, there was that sense that, hey, our biggest rival is kicking our butt right now. It was almost just kind of like a uh, kind of like a, a rollover moment where they just kind of said, well, it is what it is, and they ended up, you know, uh, losing that game pretty bad to Wyoming. So that, for me, was kind of that moment where it's just like, man, it just doesn't really seem – uh, like, you know, there, there's that, you know, that, that special fire there, you know, of, of understanding, you know, maybe a little bit about, you know, what the importance of that game was. And then just, you know, maybe more or less kind of, you know, the, the program in of itself, you know, kind of, um, you know, what it used to be. And I know I was, you know, kind of part of, uh, of the team that saw Sonny Lubick leave. And, um, you know, that was obviously a pretty, pretty tough process to go through, but, um, but again, I think, you know, just kind of maybe getting back to having a coaching staff now that can kind of just root, get that root back of being, you know, the blue collar team. I always remember that, you know, uh, about Coach Lubick and those programs. You know, you didn't really have a lot of the, the, you know, the big three, four, five star recruits. There's just a lot of blue collar guys who, who wanted to come in and play football. And, and, you know, again, it's it's easy for me to say that. Um, I'm not the one going out and recruiting guys and and convincing, you know, young men to come play for the program, but if maybe you can find a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of that element of it too, you know, might, might be a good step in the right direction.
0: I think that's a great point because, you know, at at the end of the day, if you can sign, you know, a Michael Gallup or or a Preston Williams, you know, somebody who's very highly touted across the country, you should do that. You know, they're incredibly talented players. Obviously they're, you know, in the NFL, they're doing their thing, but, I just think there is something about that blue collar attitude. Wyoming always has it. I mean, they they play hard against everybody no matter what. And there's maybe one three or four, you know, one, four or five star guy on the entire team, if that. And I I just I, I like that you brought that up. I'll be curious to see if Adazio actually builds on that. Because I, I think he has a little bit to an extent, but sometimes you see with new coaches, they come in, they recruit in-state really heavy at first to kind of set that president and then they kind of branch out. So I'd like to see him stick to Colorado and get some of those kids that really want to be a CSU Ram.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's a lot to that too. I think in my, you know, my class that got there in 04, you know, I think we had 10 or 11 guys on scholarship that were, you know, from Colorado, Yeah. you know, so there's a little bit more of that sense of just, you know, that pride that, Hey, this, you know, we're, we're home state guys, you know, this is our kind of home state team. You know, we want to make it successful. And obviously you're going to need to recruit from all over the country um, and try to find the best athletes you can. But, um, but I just remember that group of guys, you know, that we had going in, you know, on our recruiting trips and, and everything and going to games there and just feeling like, you know, we wanted to be a part of it because we were Colorado guys. You know, we wanted to, um, to be a part of that and make it special for, for everyone else. in I, uh,
0: I want to go back to what you mentioned. You were there when Sonny Lubick at the end of his tenure. And I think that was really hard just for a lot of CSU fans in general, the The end of that 2006 season, start of 2007, there was a stretch where CSU lost like 13 straight games. The weirdest part to me is I don't think CSU was a bad program or a bad team at the time. Even in hindsight, I mean, you guys lost a weird game against Cal and where you gave it, you know, you're all, you were up double digits Mm -hmm. over Houston. There were just, there were so many weird games that just felt like everything just went against CSU for about a year.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I know. Again, it was you know it was a weird time. Uh, You know, I can't sit here and say you know I was I'm regretful of being part of that, but uh because I was a part of that, you know, we were all kind of doing the best we could. But obviously, you know, not playing in 'O six. You know, we started out I think four and O. Yeah. You know, I got hurt before the first game, but we still we started out four and O, and just kind of remember you know the excitement around that, and just kind of from there it just kind of seemed like you know we really you know it was kind of a more, more or less, you know, our offensive identity, we we weren't really clicking, um, and I know, you know, the you know, kind of everything as far as offensively, just we weren't really getting much in a rhythm from there, um, and then you know that kind of uh, spilled over a little bit to 2007. You know, we we started out with that game against C where we lost in overtime, and then we had Cal you know, who was, uh, you know, I don't remember exactly what they were ranked, but I know they were in the top I think five. they got to number two at one point. Yeah, I, I two or three, depending on which poll you were looking at. You know, they had Deshaun Jackson, obviously, who uh, who just ran everybody off the field that day. But we, you know, we gave them all that they could handle. You know, we were, uh, you know, we kind of took them down to the last few minutes of the game, and they kind of pulled away. Um, so we kind of started off 0-2, you know, couldn't really get that momentum. And it just kind of seemed like from there, it was just kind of hard to pick that back up. You know, at 5 um, you know, when I started most of that year, we started off, uh, you know, we started off 0-2, but we were able to, uh, to, to get back and kind of rattle off, I think it was four wins in five games, you know, that got, uh, got the momentum back, you know, and we weren't able to do that, in seven and you can just kind of, you know, you can just kind of feel everybody. And I really remember just kind of being in the, you know, being in the locker room kind of towards the end of that season, you know, whether it was after games or just kind of, uh, you know, weeks during practice, like guys were just kind of pressing, pressing to, uh, just try to get get some wins just try maybe over trying a little bit maybe that was kind of the part part of the problem too maybe pressing a little bit um because i think we kind of knew maybe in the back of our minds what was at stake you know with coach Lubick, and um not that any of us really felt like you know it was a certain uh, a certainty that he wasn't going to be back if we didn't perform but but certainly you know you kind of read or you kind of hear some of the outside things that are going on to an extent and um you know there was a little bit of that too and we just you know we wanted to to try to get back on the right track and you know ultimately we we couldn't really do that um and then you know obviously after that last game uh, against wyoming you know obviously hearing that uh, that coach lubick wouldn't be coming back you know it was just kind of a surreal moment of uh kind of a gut punch you know and so being a part of that was you know it was unfortunate and i you know i don't look back on that aspect of it overly fondly but uh, you know but again you know, when all is said and done, you know you kind of have to understand that's uh, that that is part of it. And you know, I know uh, Coach Lubick, at least pro- from what I understand at the time, had a had a chance to possibly um, you know retool his staff a little bit for the ability to to maybe continue as the head coach, but uh, declining to do that. And again, that just kind of goes to show you, you know, just the, the quality of man that he was. Not you know, kind of uh, force you know forsake the rest of his coaching career there at the expense of not wanting to, you know, let go of the coaches that have been with him there for so long. And so, um, you know, maybe, maybe in the end, he kind of felt like it was, it was good for the program overall too to part ways.
0: I think there are a lot of, uh, a lot of head coaches across the country that could take a note from Sonny Lubick's playbook when it comes to, you know, not using your guys' as scapegoats. Cause like there's a whole lot of that happens where a lot of, and Sonny's not a mediocre coach, but I think there were a lot of, you know, mediocre head coaches that survived because they just get rid of system. Oh, it's, you know, it's my coordinator's fault. As soon as I get a new OC, like we're going to turn it around. That just wasn't Sonny at all. I yeah. do think, you know, also, you know, you guys got that win over Wyoming in 07. And I, I think it just meant so much to CSU fans, especially after everything you guys have been through. Did it mean more to you guys after everything you'd been through? This part, uh, sorry, say that. Yeah, one more time that question. I mean, it, it was obviously a hard stretch in 07, but Sonny, you know, he wins that final game at Hughes yeah. Stadium. You know, what did that mean to you guys? Obviously, the season sucked, but you got that, you know, last moment. You got that last win for yeah. Sonny.
1: No, I, I think it was, you know, it was pretty... It, it was obviously fitting, you know, just send him out on a winning note. And I just remember, you know, that, that game, it was on a Thanksgiving, um, you know, that we played them. Or maybe... Yeah. It was on or the day after maybe it was, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I remember, yeah. So I remember we were um, you know, we were at the hotel, you know, cause we would always go to the hotel, you know, the night before even when we were playing at Fort Collins and we got to the hotel uh, a little bit earlier that day. So we could actually have kind of a big uh, team Thanksgiving dinner um, which was, which was really cool. And then, you know, looking back again, in hindsight, there was just, there was a strange feeling um I think kind of regarding the whole, the whole lead up to that game. And I don't know if maybe coach Lubick already kind of knew, um, you know, from, again, from my understanding, I think maybe he already kind of did know that regardless of how that game went, he was, he was not going to be coming back. And, you know, knowing what we found out after the fact, it kind of made sense. It was just, it was a different, different kind of a vibe, you know, not that he was, he was down or not that, you know, he wasn't his normal jovial self, but there was just something about, you know, kind of that 24 hours leading up to that game that, you know, again, it kind of makes sense now. You know, it just it didn't feel quite the same. Even, you know, I know we were, you know, we were kind of we were not having a great year. You know, we knew, you know, it, it was we weren't gonna be playing in a bowl game, so that was gonna be the last game of the year, um, and we still wanted to go out and win, obviously, because it's against Wyoming. But there was something just kind of a little off about all that, and, and looking back, that it kind of makes sense, but. But again, we, you know, regardless of what happened, you know, we just, we knew we wanted to win that game. And, you know, I'm very, very happy that we were able to, you know, give Coach Luke that one last win.
0: Was there any part of you that considered leaving CSU? You know, maybe grad transferring out or, or trying to go somewhere else just given that Sonny was gone? Um, No, not from,
1: you know, not from that standpoint. Um, You know, I, uh, again, you know, I, I kind of, I saw my, my playing time reduced a little bit towards yeah. the latter half of that year. You know, I, uh, you know, I may, I, again, I had, you know, I think almost 70 carries in those first two games uh, coming back from, you know, coming back from uh, the ACL. And then kind of towards the midpoint of that year, I was just really banged up, you know, I was having a lot of issues uh, with my back, a little bit with the knee. And so I, I definitely wasn't a hundred percent. And obviously Gartrell Johnson really kind of started to uh, to merge as a as a really good running back, and obviously we know the phenomenal year he had uh, in 2008. I mean, he was he was a heck of a running back. Like, I mean, he was just uh, uh, really strong, just really good, you know, really good running back. And so, um, you know, I didn't have any you know Ill feelings towards that, but there was kind of that part of me that was, you know, as I kind of saw the writing on the wall, you know, like a little bit of you mean your staff. You know, would it be, you know, should I entertain a thought of maybe, you know, maybe trying to go somewhere else to, to kind of try to have one more last shot? You know, so the, the thought did kind of maybe briefly enter my head, but it was one of those things where I, I really didn't even give it serious consideration, uh, mainly from the standpoint that I just felt that commitment to, you know, to Colorado State, yeah. uh, you know, to the to the support that I had from Uh, the people there obviously a lot of the fans that I had become you know kind of close with and and a lot of people that are close to the program that you know I formed some really good relationships so I felt more of a just you know just kind of that commitment that I didn't I didn't want to separate from that and I wanted to at least you know see through what I had committed to you know when I came to the university Um, so I'd be lying if I said you know it wasn't a thought that that popped into my head Um, but again at the end of the day I just I don't think I could have stomached just, you know, up and leaving, you know, after the four years that I had there. And then obviously when they, you know, brought Coach Fairchild in, kind of understanding, you know, his history with the program, you know, playing there, you know, being a successful quarterback, you know, having, you know, NFL coaching experience that he did. So, you know, it just – it was kind of one of those things where, again, at the end of the day, I just – I felt like it was more appropriate for me just to kind of see it through and just be around the whole time.
0: What was your relationship with Gartrell like? Because I, I think just naturally it would be human of you to you know maybe resent him a little bit, just given <laughs> you were you know you were the guy you know in '05 you're the, oh, I got a fever and I need more cowbell. You're the fan favorite, and then yeah. all of a sudden it becomes about the Terminator and and Gartrell Johnson in the backfield. Oh, well, the Predator, yeah, the Predator, yes, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, again, I'm I'm a very competitive person, and you know that you never it's always, it's always tough when, you know, when somebody else is kind of stepping into your role or someone else is having, having success and kind of, you know, having to, if you want to call it, take a back seat for that. But, but there was never, there's never any ill feelings towards that. I mean, you know, I understood at least from, you know, from an overall team standpoint, you know, you got to go with a guy that, that's, you know, got the hot hand. You got to go with the guy who's, who's being productive. I mean, that's what happened, you know, to me in 05, you know, there was a lot of other uh, running backs there that were all fighting for playing time. And I was kind of the one who, uh, who just kind of took over the starting role and, you know, no one ever uh, had resentments towards me or ill feelings towards me. So I didn't want to be that guy, um, you know, that, uh, that couldn't reciprocate, you know, what, what was shown to me in 05. And then you got to remember too, you know, Garcher and I, we got there together in 04, you know, we kind of, We kind of say you know up to that point we kind of grew up together you know we were all we always pushed each other uh you know we were always very competitive I mean everybody you know when you look at position groups they all are but I always kind of felt like you know even when we were freshmen you know Garchal and I we just we always kind of pushed each other he certainly pushed me to be better you know when I became the starter in 05 um you know so you know I always made sure I was there pushing him uh you know in 07 and 08 when he became the starter and so then um, you always, you know, you got to be happy for a guy when, when he has that type of a success, obviously he had a huge year and that, you know, that bowl game when he set, uh, you know, the school record for, for yards, I mean, it was nothing but happy for him. And obviously he had a chance to, um, you know, to go play a little bit in the NFL, but, um, but again, that's just what it comes back to is before, you know, before yourself, you're part of um, you're part of the team and you, you know, you just go in there every day to try to make everybody else on the team better. And if one guy is doing a little bit better than you, so be it just, go in and work every day and try to be better than him.
0: <laughs> That's admirable, man. I'll... Young Justin still resents that you didn't get more carries in 2008, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, what do you think clicked for you guys in that 2008 season? Obviously you got the new staff. Billy Ferris played pretty well after taking over. Corey Sperry comes back from the injury. He has a phenomenal year.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it?
0: Was it, I mean, maybe a little bit of luck? You know, you could have, Probably won some of those tight games in 07 and it wouldn't have seemed you know quite as drastic or, or right. something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was a combination of things. Obviously, you know, a new staff um who kind of you know usually when that I mean that that was the only staff change that I experienced. You know, so at, at least from that standpoint, it was just kind of a maybe a breath of new and different energy, you know, into the program. Obviously, when when uh, you know when a prominent coach like Sonny Lubick is you know. Uh, let go or you know whether separated you know part of the ways however you want to look back on that um but you know whenever something like that happens a big shift a big change um you kind of realize the gravity of the situation and so there was kind of it was kind of a part of you know and and, you know the seniors that group that i came in with and some of the other guys that had uh, you know been starters in the year prior of a kind of a sense of responsibility of hey we've got to you know, try to get this thing back in the right direction. Um, you know, there is that sense of a new, new energy, kind of a new approach to uh, to everything that we're doing with the new staff. Um, you know, and then we did have a lot of you know really good you know good players again that class um, that came with me. Like you know, like you mentioned, Corey Sperry, um, you know, Gartrell, um, you know, Jeff Renick on defense, and a uh, group of guys again that we've been together for five years, and we really just wanted to um, at least make sure our last year was going to be as good as it possibly could be. And you know, to to get to the point where we you know we we got to a bowl game and we won a bowl game and you know finished a seven and six and you know kind of was a was a chance I think for us to kind of um, you know finish our you know our time at CSU on a high on as high a note as we possibly could.
0: You know, I know you only played for him for for one year, but I I don't know I, just given how that first season went under Steve Fairchild, I think a lot of CSU fans felt like he was you know they'd hired the right guy you know and I still don't think necessarily he was the wrong guy but you know what do you think just went wrong for him over those years after 08
1: well you know I, I think it, I wonder if it was hard for maybe to um, get as a strong a footing in recruiting you know I think that might totally. might have been a big part of it because again in 08 you know it, it was all you know the the guys that coach Lubick and his staff had brought in um, and, and so I think you know there was that kind of immediate out of the gate um success there and so you know maybe from that standpoint I mean I know he spent a lot of time in the NFL I know he had a lot of guys on his coaching staff who who had roots in college football and had been on the recruiting trails before um but maybe from that standpoint I just you know I wonder if it was really uh, um from the standpoint of maybe not really being able to get as a a good footing with recruiting um because I think there was you know as you look towards maybe the you know, the the 2011 and 2012 season, you know, before he left, um, you know, a little bit of drop off and maybe, you know, the overall talents of the program. And, and, and again, you know, like we talked about earlier, CSU not being a program that's getting four or five star recruits. um, But, but again, at the same time, you still got to get the right guys in there. You still got to get you know good athletes and you still got to get guys who have the work ethic and, and, and the drive to, to make it a successful program. And I think, you know, that might've been, Uh, the biggest aspect of it. Um, And so, but I I think too, you know, when he was hired, you got to look at obviously the guy he's replacing, you know, how do you replace, you know, Sonny Lubick? How do you replace any any coach Yeah, like that who is essentially a a legend um, in the realms of the program and even, you know, even in college football to an extent. Um, So it was big shoes to fill. You know, I can't imagine having to step into that, but um, I know a lot of the vibe at that time was getting a guy who, who had been a part of the program, who has, you know, ran blood in him. Um, And so I I think maybe right at that time, you know, it it really did make sense. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, after that first, second year, you know, you really got to kind of go back to proving yourself of, of, you know, kind of doing it on your own, you know, kind of paving your own way with it. And, you know, unfortunately, it just really didn't work out that way.
0: Yeah. The last thing I want to ask you about before I let you go here, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. No worries, man is uh, just some uniform stuff because the, the gold jerseys came up on Twitter this week. You posted the picture. I, I always love the gold Jersey. They they don't seem to be super popular with younger fans. Whenever I show them, they're like, why do you like this? Why, do, <laughs> why don't you like this? What do you mean? Yeah. Do you wish you guys would have worn that more? Do you wish you had more alternates is do people focus too much on that? You know, what are yeah, your thoughts on you? The know, uh, Yeah. It is, you know,
1: as far as the Jersey itself. Yeah. The, that gold, you uh, know, gold jersey that we wore, um, in 2005 against Wyoming. Um, you know, when, when I got there in 04, you know, we had the green and we had the white, you know, that, that was it. We had the one helmet, you know, we, we had, uh, at that time, I think just golden and, and green pants, you know, so basically, you know, only a handful of different jersey combinations that we can pick from. So, um, I know things have really changed now as far as, um, you know, the companies that are sponsoring these teams and, you know, and obviously you look at Oregon. That's kind of you know the extreme. I mean, you know, thousands of different uniform combinations that they could pull off. Um, but you see a lot of programs doing that, and I think you know that it kind of gets you know the fan base excited. Obviously, helps sell more merchandise, helps generate revenue. Maybe it gets the players a little bit of excited. But you know, uh, I just remember you know we didn't care about that. But, but I just remember uh at one point you know going into that 05 season they they showed us them you know they they said these are going to be available for us to wear we didn't really know when we were going to wear them Um, and then we ended up wearing them for that wyoming game and we uh we wore for the wyoming game and then we broke them out again for our spring game going into the 06 season um so it was you know the green and gold it was actually green and gold you know i think the uh, uh, one one of the, the teams in the spring game were wore green and uh, the other team wore the gold. So we broke them out for that, but they, they never resurfaced again. And I don't, you know, I don't understand why. I know we always kind of asked if we were ever going to wear them again. And we, uh, you know, it was just kind of one of those things that was, it was just never really talked about or really considered again. And so, um, so I had, you know, I have a lot of game worn jerseys that I have, you know, for my, for my time there, you know, whites and greens. And then I have the, the jersey from that uh, the throwback that we wore against cal and i never knew what happened to those gold jerseys you know i always i wanted to try to get my hands on that gold one just because you know again it was just kind of one of those things that we only won once and so i thought it'd be a cool cool uh jersey just to have you know to go with my others and and i for all i knew they had kind of disappeared and then um i uh i, I i've been wanting to uh to frame one of my game-worn jerseys to have here in my office i know it's only taken me 12 years but I finally wanted to get around <laughs> doing that and um on Facebook a guy that was a part of the uh equipment staff there at CSU the time during the time I was there reached out to me and he had it and uh you know he had had it that whole time and um and uh you know he said he kind of felt the time was right to uh, to get it to get it to me so you know it worked out so it kind of resurfaced after all that time but uh but no I mean it's it's cool you know from a player's standpoint, just, uh, you know, you know, the, the saying is, you know, if you look good, you play good. Right. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, man, it, it's just another one of those things. I think that you can't let it become something you you focus on more than actually going out and playing football. Um, you know, and I love those look the look that we had kind of those clean, simple uniforms and, you know, that was kind of the, you know, the tradition at the time.
0: I think I've gone full circle on this because if you would have asked me in 2013, 2014, I would have, you know, I'd, I'd have been all in on the alternates. You know, CS—they need it for recruiting. You know, they need to <laughs> make themselves more exciting. Now I'm—I find myself. Maybe it's just because I'm getting old and boring, but I just—I find myself being nostalgic for that classic green and gold look. Where it's just—I don't need yeah. the white helmet. I don't need gray uniforms. I don't—I mean, I like the AG helmet. I like that they do the AG day. The state pride was cool, but I'm—I'm I'm a green and gold guy. I'm a simple guy. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you look at look at programs, you know, look at Alabama, you know, look at Penn State, look at uh, look at USC. I mean, they've had the same uniform, the same helmet for you know 60, 70 years, right? I mean, you see, you know, you see pictures of of their players back in the '60s and '70s. They have the exact same uniform that they're wearing in 2020. You know, so I think there's there's kind of something to be said there for for kind of that tradition and just consistency um, and that look of the brand. You know, when you you know, when you turn on Alabama football, you know exactly what you're going to see. You know, obviously quality program, um, but you just associate that with that quality. And, you know, I'm not saying getting away from that is, is, a, is a bad thing, but, um, you know, but, but again, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. I don't think there's a whole lot of recruits that are weighing their decision on which school to go to solely based on the uniform combinations that the school offers. I think it's something that can maybe get get them a little bit more excited um, but I don't think that's ultimately a deciding factor. How many helmets you have, or how many different uniforms you wear. Um, it's cool, maybe to to break something out every once in a while, kind of like we did. Um, but again, I kind of the same way. I'm I'm kind of a fan of just a a simple, kind of a classic approach um, that you can just kind of see
0: pretty much every Saturday that you turn them on and go watch them. Honestly, if I'm a coach. I don't know if I want somebody, if their selling point was the uniforms, like I'd be excited. You know, I, you know, I'm not saying be a jerk about it, but yeah. that's the only reason that they're signing with your program. That doesn't seem like much of a commitment.
1: Yeah, you know, exactly. And that, yeah, that's kind of, again, it's just kind of more of the, the, um, the sizzle, you know, you try to sell the, the sizzle a little bit over the substance you gotta, you know, again, maybe with this generation, maybe you gotta have that a little bit. Certainly. I don't think, you know, it wasn't really anything that I was really concerned about. I just wanted to be able to show up and play football. As long as they gave me a jersey to wear, I was happy to wear it.
0: <laughs> Are you thankful that you didn't have to deal with social media and Twitter and, you know, billion outside things? Obviously, there were always outside voices, you know, newspapers, TV, all of that. But I do wonder, you know, with some of these guys and just how much information, it wasn't like a fan had a direct access to be able to tweet, you know, Hey, Kyle Bell, you suck, dude.
1: Like, it's gotta <laughs> oh, be yeah. kind of tough. Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm so thankful we didn't have that. You know, not that not that I've ever really been, you know, the type of person to, you know, really give uh, you know, give much as far as consideration or really caring what other people, you know, thought about me or said about me. You know, I get I, you know, my whole life I've just been about uh putting in the work and showing up and doing what I needed to do. And whatever anybody else said, you know, was outside of my control, and it wasn't for me to worry about. But, but again, you know, maybe, maybe now I think, you know, even you know, being on social media, I'm like, I mean, it, you know, I, there's times where I find it, you know, just kind of sometimes unbearable, and and uh, just, you know, maybe kind of poisonous to my overall mental health, and not really being engaged with people in that way and so you know that, that would be one thing and I you know I gotta wonder I'm sure you know coaching staffs probably do address this you know obviously be careful what you're posting on social media oh, totally, you, know, yeah. you're, you know just like we did you know before social media you know coaches say hey when you're out in public um, you know when you're when you're out doing things socially be responsible you know you represent uh, yourself you represent the university you don't want to uh, do anything that you know that. The school, your team, your teammates, in any sort of sort of negative light. So I'm sure those conversations are, are being had now in that manner. Obviously, be responsible when you're out, but also be responsible when you're on social media. What you're putting out there into the world, um, and then too, you know, anytime you do that, you're inviting you're inviting engagement. You know, you're inviting others to respond to that. And you know, I, I would be interested in in learning how how that might affect maybe the the mental aspect of Uh, Of athletes now, you know not only do you have to worry about what you're doing, you know what you're doing with your team. Kind of obviously the uh, the 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 feedback and to an extent criticism, you know, you're getting from you know your coaches and everything who want to make you better. You know, they your coaches criticize you to make you better. Yeah, um, you know, for you know constructive criticism to to push you to make you better and to be a better player, make your team better. You also you know now you have people on the outside who who want to give that criticism just from the standpoint of you fumbled and they want to let you know how much you know they they're, they're mad that you lost them the game or that you're not, um, you're not being as productive as you should have. So, you know, I, it's probably good for, for the, the, especially college, you know, now you get the pro step, you know, you got guys that are making millions and millions of dollars, you know, who probably, you know, they're, they're open to that criticism, you know, they, they can, they can handle it. Right. But, uh, but as far as student athletes, you know, guys that are 18, 19, 20 years old, you know, I, I, they gotta be careful, you know, not to, uh, not necessarily to say the wrong thing, but, uh, understand what they're they're feeding their own brain with as far as you know what other people are are saying to them
0: totally and you know we talked about a little bit with the recruiting i i just get hesitant to talk about recruiting in general sometimes because i just think everybody starts hyping people up before they've accomplished something and then all of a sudden you know you show up to campus and you think your crap doesn't stink and it's like all right man well you haven't accomplished anything yet so let's let's see how this plays out
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, yeah, it's a different dynamic now. Right. Even, you know, yeah, back in 2004, I mean, you know, I know you probably had message boards and things like that. Um, you know, and you had the, you know, the, the, the guys that would rank recruits and kind of talk about them in that way. Um, but it was definitely a lot more narrow and limited in scope than it, than it is now. That's for sure.
0: Well, Kyle, man, thank you again for doing this. This has been just a blast to catch up with you and, you know, chop it up about the old days. I, I, uh, I find myself yearning for those Lubic highlights more and more. I, <laughs> I wish I could watch more of those games, you know, in their in- entirety. Somebody, if somebody's got recordings of them, get them on YouTube. Let's, let's, let's help the Rams oh, yeah. out.
1: No, I'm sure you go, you go talk to the guys there at the school. I'll probably have all of them
0: for you, man. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. Happy Thanksgiving. You know, I know yeah. times are, are wonky for everybody, but <laughs> I hope you have a, you know, a safe day, a fun day with your family. Enjoy it. And, yeah. you know, just take care. Yeah, thanks, man. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity, and and, uh, thanks a lot, man, and go Rams. Go Rams.